Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Cal Vapori. He's the founder and CEO at Hero. Cal, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Really, really excited to be here and thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Hero is actually really innovative and cool and a lot bigger of a problem than I think majority of people realize. But maybe before we get into all that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. For sure, for sure. So uh, I uh, I had immigrant parents from uh, South India and uh, Very cool. was born in the States in the Midwest and, um, and then kind of migrated around the country back to India and, and then sort of landed in the East Coast and um, so most of my life, I grew up between New Jersey, uh, at, least, at least most of my youth, I grew up between New Jersey and, and Pennsylvania, and um, that's where we kind of, we got started. Very cool. So you went to university. What did you take and why? I went to, uh, I went to uh, Duke University, and uh, I studied electrical engineering, computer science, and economics. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, probably a little ambitious or overly ambitious at the time, but um, I I try to be a left brain, right brain thinker, but um, really enjoyed uh, tinkering and um, had started building um, you know hardware in high school and writing software even in late elementary school, and so oh wow, I just wanted a way to actually learn how to do things from sort of the ground up versus the the more um, organic kind of learning that I'd had up until then. And, um, you know, for me, it was exciting to be in a place like Duke, which, you know, is a pretty big research institution uh, and had access to incredible resources, both on campus and through its alumni network. So uh, for me, you know, I just wanted to soak it all in as, as much as I could while I was there. Sure. So what got you passionate about kind of programming and building electronics at such an early age? Um, it's a, it's an interesting question. I guess it was just one of those things that I was drawn to. Um, I'd always really loved um, games. And uh, okay. I think for a lot of people who are in, you know, the tech world, a lot of their sort of early experiences were, were similar in the sense that they first used technology when it was brought to them in some sort of game format or uh or, or or you know gaming technology and so for me I, I would say that was that was what got me into it initially i started writing games um in the late 80s you know in, in basic and um i thought it was just you know kind of the most the most engaging way to spend you know all of my free time and then eventually um when the internet came to be in the mid 90s um I was in high school and I started 
building websites and, um, and thinking about how to host websites. And so started doing that for uh, myself and my friends and then started doing it for some small businesses and then started uh, doing it for some university departments and, um, you know, got to know kind of academia a little bit and found it really fascinating, again, that it had such incredible uh, access to resources. Um, so that was, um, that was sort of how I, I got, you know, drawn to um, research and, and academia from, from that actually entrepreneurial experience. Very cool. So you get out of university, walk us through your career up until coming up with the idea for Hero, and then we'll get into what exactly it is. For sure. So, um, so I mentioned my sort of little uh, gaming adventures when I was very young, uh, and then jump jumping into web hosting and email hosting uh, in high school. I sold, um, you know, that kind of small business uh, in during the first sort of internet boom, and. Nice. Uh, and then took that um, capital and, and after I was doing some consulting work for folks who were uh, trying to figure out how to acquire wireless spectrum, uh, which, oh, is, interesting. which is, uh, which there was sort of a gold rush on back then. It's, um, you know, it's all the bandwidth that we use uh, for our data and voice now. Um, you had to acquire from the government originally. Um, and so the FCC auctioned off all these licenses for different geographies. And uh, I was uh, initially writing software to help folks figure out how to do that efficiently and, and bid um, efficiently to acquire what they wanted. And then um, ultimately I took the, the earnings from my um, kind of small exit and, and started doing the same. And uh, I, I was doing that uh, through college. Um, and uh, and then uh, after school, uh, did a fellowship for a year because, as I'd mentioned, I was just fascinated with academia and actually really wanted to be a professor um, in my heart of hearts uh, after that experience. But ultimately, once I, I was um, doing that uh, fellowship, uh, I realized that it wasn't for me. And so I... Um, started working at a, I was lucky enough to get an offer and start working at a firm called Bain and Company, um, which is a pretty uh, interesting place um, and a place where there's many brilliant people working on really interesting problems, particularly for folks who are really young in their career to learn a lot about a lot of different industries and work with really talented experienced management teams and, um, you know, due diligence on on investment opportunities for big, you know, venture firms or private equity firms or um, or other groups, and so did that for a few years, and um, and then worked in private equity to learn uh, what it meant to actually be an investor. <coughs> excuse me, um, and uh, and how to put capital to work in in really meaningful ways, and and learn, you know kind of all the different moving parts around that. Um, and then while I was in private equity, the, the wireless spectrum that I had uh, bought um, a handful of years prior um, started to garner a lot of interest. And um, I had been sort of, you know, doing that as a, a side project uh, and ultimately ended up selling um, all of those um, 
licenses and basically in, in a, over the course of a year and a half or two to two uh, to uh, two of the national carriers. And then I start. Yeah. So that was that was sort of right before the credit crisis. Um, okay. And so was um, pretty fortunate uh, in terms of the timing there. Obviously, I had no idea that, you know, that that would happen. But um, what it led me to start doing after a year of sort of eat, pray, loving and, and traveling and trying to you know, trace roots and, and do a little bit of charity work, I, I started thinking about where I wanted to spend my time and, and really the rest of my life. And um, I guess the best I could do, given the broad range of interest was, I wanted to work with entrepreneurs and as a, um, a true partner as an investor. Um, and maybe at some point build a business of my own. Um, but I realized it'd been a little while since I'd done that. And, uh, and frankly, I had a lot to learn. So um, I started, uh, like many angel investors, uh, just kind of, you know, engaging with the, um, the technology community. And this is around 2011. Okay. Uh, when I really started to be um, kind of very serious about this. And, um, and then on the East Coast, I started um, engaging with former colleagues who, uh, who I knew were starting businesses or I'd, I'd heard, heard were interested in exploring doing that. And um, what sort of started to happen was on the East Coast, there was this, this whole flock of um, early B2C businesses, whether they were e-commerce or consumer services or uh, consumer financial services. And then on the West Coast, um, there was all sorts of kind of really interesting companies being built, of course, but um, I tended to, you know, um, find more businesses in the sort of enterprise and B2B space that I could partner with. So, um, so that was sort of how I was started spending my time and um, started angel investing very actively initially with pretty modest checks um, to just learn and, and meet really smart angel investors and, and entrepreneurs and, and figure out if, you know, I was any good at it and, and whether or not I could really help folks. Um, and I found there were some companies that I could help a lot and, and others that, you know, it was a more serendipitous and, you know, maybe some relationships would be helpful down the line, but ultimately, you know, what I was seeing is it's really hard to build businesses and um, incredibly <laughs> underestimated by most. And sure. so, for me, that set the bar really high for me to ever start a business again, and so high, in fact, that I, I didn't for, you know, for another um, five, five and a half years. Um, and so fast forward to sort of 2016, um, I'm, I've invested now in about 150 businesses. Wow. Some big um, names, too. Big names, yep. Um, you know, seated a lot of the early e-commerce players. Um, um, Warby and and Harry's and um, ClassPass, um, to name a few. Sweetgreen, um, which is um, uh, in the food space. Um, uh, Docker, Oscar Health, Clover, um, on and on the healthcare and B two B side. Um, so that was you know going really well. I was having a lot of fun, you know, trying to help folks and and find interesting companies to partner with. Um, but uh, what started to happen was that I, I started to 
see other opportunities to build companies. And I felt like I was starting to learn, um, you know, kind of as much as I could on the investing side. And so I wanted to start to flex some new muscles um, and, and keep learning. And so uh, initially um, started uh, incubating and built uh, a few e-commerce businesses. Um, uh, the sort of me- most well-known of is a, is a outerwear brand called The Arrivals which makes uh, technical outerwear um, with a lifetime warranty and, and is, is sort of has a, has a European um, kind of sensibility to it. Um, and so uh, that's done great and is a, a great uh, organically growing business. Um, and, so, and so it wasn't really a venture business and it wasn't really intended to be. It, it was um, really just a way to sort of think about how to, or, or, or internally process the the, uh, the the ways in which people can build companies on the internet again and doing that directly. And so um, that was a, a jump into building again. But what really uh, spurred um, Hero is uh, that in 2014, my mother had a heart attack. Oh, um, um, uh, she is a physician who uh, herself was uh, pretty pretty skilled at training other you know geriatrics or seniors on how to take care of their own health and working with their caregivers to support that effort as well. And so when I say caregiver, it's usually a family member or another loved one um, who's who's helping them, um, particularly if they're seniors versus a, a younger uh, chronic disease patient. So um, that was a eye opening event for me and, and change the direction of uh, my life, uh, pointing it to what Hero ultimately became. Um, and, uh, and it did so in a, in a few ways. One, I learned that it, it was incredibly hard to take medication correctly when you're someone who has to take five, 10, 15 or more meds every day for the rest of your life. Um, it's, it's a full-time job, not just for you or your loved one, but also, um, something that requires coordination with a lot of third parties. Right. Uh, and, and in addition, it creates an immense amount of stress, um, oftentimes depression and, and general, um, kind of loneliness because your family relationships start to circle around. Um, the things that are troubling you from a health perspective and, you know, did you take your meds correctly? Oh, wait, I saw that you didn't take this or, you know, um, or God forbid, you know, you have a drug interaction that could have um, been avoided or you have to go to the hospital because you missed something um, or, you know, a prescription expired because you weren't taking it consistently. Um, These are all the things that sort of aggregated up into this this really hairy complicated and um painful process um and so that's where i i sort of took a pause and uh and and wanted to really understand you know is there a way to solve this for not just my mom but potentially you know everyone who is really suffering from this sure yeah i I think a lot of people don't realize how big of an issue it is until they they or somebody they love or know goes through it. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, a one of those things where uh, if you're not if you're not in in the unfortunate position to have to be managing meds for a family member or um, just the overall health of of someone in your life, it's um, it's probably not something that you would have much experience with or really understand in terms of the not just the the magnitude of people that are affected by it, but also because it, or also the complexity of the problem itself um, for each family. Um, you know, it's just it it is not something that people enjoy talking about, right? As you might imagine, right? If sure. you're if you're if you're unhealthy, you know, the last thing you want to do typically is 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 you know harbor on that in in your public life or in your social life. So. It's not something that people love talking about. It's just something that they sort of internally manage, and and that's where a lot of the stress and 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 emotional damage can come from. Sure. So, how did you figure out what hero has become, and how did you actually make the decision to decide to actually start building this? Walk us through the early days of of hero. For sure. Yeah. Um, so it was, um, it was hard. It was really, really hard. We, we didn't have a lot of, we, we as in uh, society doesn't have a, a great deal of information around how people actually behave um, when they're at home as it regards to their medication. And the reason for that is the reason for that is, is we, we see our physician, our physician says, well, you know, you have this chronic disease, I'm gonna write you a script or usually multiple scripts for, for that. And then I'll check in with you at some time down the future and then we'll modify as needed. Um, and then everything that happens in between, um, it, typically it is is not um, very traceable. Um, okay. the, one thing you'll, what, the one thing you'll know is if somebody takes that script and actually goes and fills it and insurance is paying for it. But even that in today's environment is harder to track because there's a growing number of people who pay for things with cash because right. it's less expensive or, or equally as expensive that as their copay through their health plan. Um, there's a growing population of folks who try to use holistic medication or supplements to manage medication or modify their diet and sort of self-titrate meaning self-manage their meds which is obviously incredibly dangerous but happens all the time um, sure. and so um what we had to do is really um ask individuals who suffered from multiple chronic conditions um where they would have to take medication themselves you know really ask them how they do it themselves and so we had uh, many hundreds of conversations with patients and then many hundreds of conversations with caregivers and then many hundreds of conversations with um, people in, in the other sort of stakeholder groups around patient care. So that's um, uh, physicians, nurses, pharmacists, um, health plan administrators, care managers, um, home care aides. And so we sort of had to quilt together this deeper set of knowledge and understanding around what are the friction points that make medication management so hard and how do we address them using technology and initially the intention was not to uh, build any piece of hardware per se 
Um, it was rather to, to really, you know, just understand how to un, unwrap this complex challenge and then apply technology, whether it was software or anything else um, or, or people or services to address it. And um, basically, as we went through that process, we found that the only way to do it was with a new piece of hardware that didn't exist. Okay. Um, and so we had to go about inventing it. And so that was a whole another chapter to the story. Um, but ultimately, the what the hardware did for us was it created accountability in a fun, magical way for individuals in their home to uh, take their medication. Um, it gave us transparency that every single dose on a per med basis in real time was being um, taken correctly. And then we shared that confidence with the caregiver uh, and increasingly over time with, with other stakeholders um, in that patient's care. No, that, that makes sense. So when you finally decide to build hardware and software, how, like walk us through prototyping. Did you self-fund this? Did you raise some money? Did you use your own investment firm to invest? Walk us through that. Sure. Um, so when we were doing the, what I call sort of customer development, you know, really the most important phase of, of any company, um, we, we didn't need capital. We just needed time. And so, okay. um, so that was, that was largely myself and, um, a few other folks who were interested in, in working on this, um, sort of talking to folks. And, um, once we started to put pen to paper around realizing that, okay, we probably need to build some new technology. It probably needs to be hardware. Um, that's when uh, I started thinking about budgets and 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 teams and and all of the things that you would as a, a founder of a, a startup. Um, I wasn't so sure if the company would be a startup versus um, kind of a project, to be honest, because okay. this was such a new idea um, and kind of a white space that I wanted to make sure that we didn't really treat it as a venture business to start um, until we knew more and we de-risked it a bit. So I, um, I was in a fortunate position, obviously, to, to be able to kind of fund the, the costs of that early development and validation phase from, right. from when we went from customer development to validation and, and inventing you know, the hardware and the technology um, to do what we do. Um, so through that, it was um, funded by me. Um, and once we started to realize and sort of figured out that this is a huge problem, not just in, in terms of the data itself, but, you know, in, in actuality from a market um, size and need perspective, um, you know, we, we, we were onto something in the sense that we were building a friction-free uh, way to manage medication with transparency from all corners. So, um, you know, if we could save over 125,000 lives a year and, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in costs to the healthcare system, which benefits all, all of us because it's a phantom tax that we all bear um, sure. because we're, all, we're already spending the money to diagnose people and for physicians to write them scripts and if they're having hospital readmissions and and having to use the healthcare system, regardless, then um, you know that, that's that's a, a huge amount of wastage. Not to mention sure. pharmaceutical waste itself in terms of drugs that are dispensed that aren't taken. So, 
um, we, we sort of put started to learn all that in a, in a practical sense and, and people really started to resonate with it. And so then we, um, so then we figured out the business model. We realized that we had to have a membership plan in order to support all the needs that people had, given the fact that this was something where, you know, people had questions all the time around medication. We had to do continual hardware and software and firmware updates and add new features every month. And, um, you know, it was a very hands-on approach and, you know, of course, offered 24-7 member experience and, and all the things that we've all come to really appreciate and expect from services, um, particularly sure. ones that are, are, are really related to our health. And so that's when we decided to um, bring on some third-party partners. Um, I, um, I continually reinvest Re, uh, reinvested capital in, into the business um, and am one of the major shareholders in the company. Um, we brought on some additional capital partners that are um, larger, uh, larger, uh, you know, capital partners as well. We brought in a number of folks who are from the healthcare industry and have incredible reputations when it comes to how to partner new technology with um with health plans and the other risk bearers in in our um, in our health system, uh, and the reason for that is is risk bearers um, stand to benefit greatly from Hero in the sense that um, we uh, by utilizing Hero in their really high risk populations, so these polychronic polypharmacy patients, um, they're able to reduce the long term medical costs. Um, of those lives, the individuals themselves are healthier and have better men mental health and have much higher satisfaction with those health plans. And so we really focused on people who could help us with that. Um, and so um, that's something that we continue to explore uh, and develop as well. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, we've, we've, <laughs> we basically just started to grow really fast. So, um, so the past a uh, few years has been um, really exciting for us. Um, we've we've brought on some incredible hires from uh, places like Google and Peloton and and others. And um, you know, it's been yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. Obviously, hard work every day, but as you know, but um, you know, we're we're in that exciting phase of of our development. Sure. <clears throat> so, how many prototypes did it take to get? it to the current version and and how did you come up with the current look and feel i know it's kind of hard to describe that when it's audio only but it, well, how do you usually describe the product to people and and how has it kind of evolved and and to what it is today yeah it, it's funny there there's a lot of folks out there who like to use different descriptions for what 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 hero is uh, the closest okay. sort of thing i've heard is um you know a keurig for yeah, medication. Sure. And, and the reason I like that is because I think it gives people kind of a discreet way to think about hero, your footprint scale, kind of the fact that it dispenses things. Um, the, the thing about it that is, is uh, tougher is that we have to, we have to provide an open system. So we don't make the medication in many cases, we don't send the medication to the member. They use their own, whatever, you know, mail order pharmacy or, um, or, uh, or third-party retail pharmacy, we can in many, I mean, in many cases, people do choose to use the Hero partnered network of pharmacies for mail order, but 
we just have to live, we have to give people a way to, um, to work and live within the construct of how they want to manage their meds, no matter what. And so the system has to be open. It has to be accurate. It has to be, um, flexible. And so curing for med, curing for medication, I think is a good way to think about it physically in the sense that it's a countertop appliance. It, it's push button and easy to use. Um, um, but it does leave out the the complexity around the fact that it needs to be Wi-Fi connected because that's how we know if you uh, are, are are able to manage your meds correctly. Um, it's how we're able to ensure that you know if there's no um, issues with respect to um, other potential risks, whether that's you know trying to warn you of uh, drug interactions or or things like that. Um, it, it, it's also uh, you know a very complex type of user. Um, when you think about uh, people who are later in life, there's there's things that you need to design around um, that uh, you don't really think about all the time as a, as a younger person, in particular, a younger, healthier person. And so making sure that um, the way that this you run through setup and the way you um, you visually interact with it, audibly interact with it, you know, making sure that um, all of that is, you know, very broadly accessible to folks who are maybe less mobile than most or are able to apply less finger pressure or, um, or whose vision is, is blurry. Um, those are all things that, you know, we needed to solve for. And obviously on top of that, there was this continuous focus and continues to be our, our, our primary focus is safety and making sure that um, we are providing the experience that, uh, creates, um, you know, safe, safe usage and, and the safest usage we can reasonably provide, uh, you know, m many of the executive team members and actually just team members in general at Hero, um, we have family members who are early users and, and continue to be, uh, users at Hero. And so, uh, not only do we say that our members are our family, but, you know, it's actually the case. Interesting. Well, and then something as simple as just pills are all different shapes and sizes, right? You have to handle that too. Yeah, yeah. So um, to to try to develop a system that uh, that accurately uh, isolates pills of any size, shape, weight, or orientation in any ambient environment at at um, at, at any sort of altitude that a human would live in is is challenging um, and is an it, it is an imperfect science initially, and you try to sort of chip away at all the edge cases to eventually get to something. And then not only do you have to get to something that works, but you also have to be able to turn it into a product that's manufacturable and scalable and testable, and um, and then meets all the usability you know uh, requirements that I was sort of referring to. Um, it took it took the better part of four years for us to do that, almost five. Wow. Wow. And then we had to test it, um, make sure it was safe and, uh, and then go from there. So it was, you know, and there's also a regulatory component of, of what we do. Um, so all of that created, um, created a lot of complexity. And if, I think if it weren't for the fact that we were so personally, um, you know, aligned on the mission of what we were trying to accomplish and had such such deep personal experience with the problem. Um, there were many, many, many times along the way where we were sort of like, wow, I don't know if we're going to be able to get through this, but 
you know, thankfully one foot in front of the other, we pushed through. No, that that's really great. So I, I'm curious though, like it has to just be pills, like it can't be liquid medicine or is that just like a whole other can of worms? Uh, I wish it could be everything, right? There's definitely folks who take liquids and 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 powders and and refrigerated medication or injectables like insulin. Sure. Um, and and that's that you know much of our population does have to deal with that. Um, the vast majority of pill, uh, the vast majority of medications um, are available in in pill format. Um, okay. And so, and so when you think about sort of like what's the what's the the meat and potatoes of medication management. It, it's things that come in pill format. Gotcha. The great thing of, you know, that you bring up a really important point though, which is um, if you take anything else that needs to be stored outside of um, Hero, we had to, we had to make sure that it integrated with all the notifications and the alerts and the reminders and, you know, our web app and our mobile app and our member experience team was aware of them and um, that the user was confirming whether or not they took things correctly. And so, um, that that is very deeply integrated into the system, such that um, we get we get data not just around what Hero is dispensing, but also we we ask the user and caregivers to confirm that anything that's outside of Hero is 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 taken or not taken. So yes, it, it is definitely a very different can of worms, but it's also uh, um, it, it, it's a uh, minority of the actual medication that's consumed, a, a significant minority of the actual medication that's consumed in this country. No, that makes sense. So I'm curious, you touched on it kind of throughout our conversation so far, but how does the software tie into, you, you mentioned notifications, but how else do people actually use and interact with the app and, and the web? So there's a few ways to, to interact with uh, the, the software that we develop and the apps that we develop. Um, one is for sort of setup, and that is, you know, what medications are in the regimen, managing the regimen, um, ensuring that all the limitations are on maximum dosage and passcodes are are as you want. And and if you ever need to change them, you can change them using that sort of part of the the toolkit. Um, the the second would be um, notifications and reminders, uh, as I'd mentioned. So that's if you're um late or if you've missed a dose if um, you need to pre-dispense uh, doses because you're going um you're going to be out of your home for a while um if you are going on vacation and you need to dispense a, a number of doses um all of that is um sort of another um set of of needs um and then the third would be uh, data and um, other sort of tracking. Um, so we have uh, we have drug information access in directly in the app. We have um, the ability to uh, get drug interactions if you would like uh, to understand that to make sure that there's no complexity there. Um, look at historical adherence uh, for yourself uh, or if you're a caregiver for your loved one. Um, so you can see how their adherence has changed um, over time, and um, and also understand what that means in the context of you know how how you um, perceive them from a health perspective and and how they perceive themselves, um, 
and you'll see uh, that that sort of last set will continue to develop um, you know, very, very significantly over the next um, year as we uh, develop more, uh, more product uh, features uh, along those lines. Sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And the interesting thing too, is just being able to have a digital record to know if like a friend or family member is actually taking their medication, right? Absolutely. So it's not just a digital record, but a record that can be shared, not with just with family members, but, but with your healthcare provider as well. Right. right. So having, having complete transparency across sort of the, what I, we call the entire care team, right. Uh, friends, family, loved ones, sure. and your healthcare providers is, is, has never really existed before because um, again, there's, there hasn't been a, a, a real last line of, of communication that has objective information about everything somebody's actually taking, whether it's uh, medication that was um, prescribed and reimbursed through a health plan, medication that was cash paid for over-the-counter medication, or vit vitamins, minerals, and supplements. And so, since we have that sort of holistic view, it's something that you know we're just in the early days of scratching the surface on in terms of the value that that can provide especially when you start to integrate it with other sorts of data sets and, um, you know, in this increasingly connected biometric world, um, you know, we're very excited about that. Sure. So you mentioned pushing features and updates, you know, monthly or however often, how do you decide which new features that are in your roadmap that you want to push out? compared to some of the requests that you get from users? How do you manage those two and decide what a user request actually goes into the actual hardware and software of Hero? Um, it's, it's imperfect in the sense that um, there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit of us, us thinking a few steps ahead and uh, you know, taking the Steve Jobs approach of, of basically um, you know, jumping ahead of the current technology limitations and thinking about the future of what the product really should be in two, three, five, ten years. And so we we always have that in the back of our mind. But we're fortunate to be have a really close relationship with our members. Um, you know, they, they use Hero um, many times a day. Um, their caregivers are oftentimes engaged with their health as well. Um, our member experience team is is on twenty four seven and in contact with folks who. Who need uh, answers to anything, and so we get feedback through many different channels, many times a day, um, oftentimes even from the same member or their caregiver kind of unit. Um, and so, what what that's done is given us a wealth of um, really interesting, um, not just information, but almost a roadmap on its own in terms of you know what people really need, but also what people want, and and we take that. And we um, prioritize it as uh, as as best we can, and we work really hard as quickly as possible to to build all of those incremental features or improvements uh, as quickly as we can. Sure. So, obviously, like I, you don't have to give away anything that you're working on that you don't want to talk about. But where do you take Hero from here? Could you are you do you want to just stick with? The one device you see maybe building a second, third, fourth device around the space, or, or how do you see the potential future of of Hero and or 
the healthcare kind of smart healthcare space? Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot that I could say there, but I guess the shorter answer short answer is is we will do whatever uh, whatever needs to be done to keep people safe and taking their medication correctly uh, okay. in their in their home. And so, if that means that we need to to build more hardware, then you know we'll do it right, and we'll sure. do it thoughtfully, and and we'll try to do it in a way that makes it completely accessible and scalable and and rock solid and safe. But um, you know, that's ultimately our sort of true north is, you know, do right by these people who uh, historically have been really marginalized and and not well considered by even the entrepreneurial community in, in the, in the healthcare space. Um, you know, people just kind of make assumptions about what it's like to be a polychronic polypharmacy patient. And we try to build different ways. We try to, we try to historically, in my opinion, um, you know, take top-down approaches to solve problems in the healthcare space and, yeah. and kind of push things to individuals. Hero is a, is, is user-centric. So everything we do is, is, um, based on the behavior that we can track and measure and, and, and what they tell us. Right. And so, um, that's what we'll, we'll continue to do. And, um, you know, so far it's not only served us well, but really made us a loved part of the family for, for these, um, you know, these, these individuals and, and their loved ones. Um, and in terms of, you know, digital health more broadly, um, you know, we are, um, we were actively, um, partnering with, as I'd mentioned, many different parts of the healthcare ecosystem. You know, we'll, we'll have more to say about that, um, you know, this year and next year. And, you know, I couldn't be more excited about what's happening, um, not just in sort of our sphere, but, you know, across the entire spectrum of healthcare payments and uh, reimbursement and um, pharma uh, pharmacy itself and, um, and then different parts of care management and care coordination. Um, it's an incredibly exciting time to be uh, building something in the healthcare space, and uh, I think we're just we're just at the very beginning. Sure. Do you think that it's gotten easier, stayed the same, uh, or what are your thoughts on kind of the red tape that's still kind of in the industry that I think in a lot of cases just discourage people from maybe getting into healthcare space because they're just like it's just too complicated. I don't even want to bother. Yeah, I think that's a sort of two-sided coin. Um, on one side, that that red tape exists for a reason, right? It's to protect people sure. and and make sure that they're safe and you know and and not being exploited and and all the things that you know we you know we as a as a, a citizenship want to make sure that you know is held is held uh, true. Um, on the other side, I think it, it gets to be a grayer area, and and I think thankfully we we do have um, uh, while we have a bar bipartisan you know uh, government, I think there are many many really reasonable and smart folks who are um, moving things in in the right direction, and that um, you know that's been great to see uh, as an entrepreneur and an American uh, that we are starting to make really important. Um, and and significant strides in making it easier to develop new technology, test it, launch it, validate it, um, and then uh, integrate with the existing stakeholders and figure out an economic model, um, you know, that works. And so, 
Um, it's definitely better than it was, you know, five years ago. I think it'll be markedly better um, in five years from now, and, and in between, it'll just it'll just keep you know chugging along in the right direction, hopefully. So um, I'm pretty optimistic. Um, I, I think I have pretty good reason to be in terms of what's been happening more recently, and um, you know, I I, I think that's going to create you know, a tremendous amount of entrepreneurial activity that, that uh, continues to build momentum. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's, yeah, that's kind of what I, I figured. So I'm curious though, obviously you've helped a ton of companies. You've built something in the hardware space, the software space. You've been in the tech space for a, a really long time now is there some advice or something you want to maybe like demystify a little bit that you kind of wish you knew, or you, you tell people that you see all the time that you would say like, you shouldn't do that, or maybe something that they should do more of like, what's some general advice you'd give to people based on all, based on your experience, being an entrepreneur, investing in them and, and being in the space for so long. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I say to a lot of people is 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 be careful taking advice. <laughs> uh, That's good advice. Par par paradoxical, um, you know, every person's path is different. What they really care about is different. Um, you know, what what excites them and the types of problems they want to solve. It's all it's all really unique, um, in, in some you know some ways, sort of an artistic you know, endeavor to figure that out. And so what I encourage is, is really people to, you know, not be afraid of making mistakes and trying lots of things, um, you know, as young as possible and to, to try to learn from that and, you know, figure out what they like and what they don't like and um, what they're really drawn to from a, um, a personal passion perspective. And if they can marry that with, you know, how they spend their time, then that's a magical thing. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily even have to be entrepreneurial. Um, but, but if it is, that's great. And, and, you know, um, and when they start down that path, you know, make sure that they're, they continue that process of experimentation and, and not, and, and, you know, not being afraid to make, you know, some mistakes along the way. But, um, but doing that by getting lots of having conversations with lots of people and lots of mentors and, 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 and taking that information and then processing it, processing it for themselves. Um, because ultimately, if you're an entrepreneur, certainly, you know, you should know more about the problem you're trying to solve than, than anybody else who's sort of thinking about it with you, um, you know, from a sort of a, 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 a you know, a, a seat across the table. No, I, I think that's really good advice. And, and the one thing I think that we should add to that that you mentioned earlier is somebody like you even went through times where you pondered giving up, but you, you fought through it and you didn't give up and you kept going. Right. And I think every entrepreneur goes through that many times in their career, many times while they're working on one product or project. And I think, you know, you kind of need to know when to just kind of sit back and say, no, you know what, this is just a challenging time. I'm not going to give up. Or, you know, maybe it is time to pivot at, at some point, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that part is hard, um, no matter how you cut it. Um, ultimately, there's a little bit of blind faith that goes into every point where you want to stop. And that sort of, you know, that leap is, um, 
is what you know oftentimes defines the greatest entrepreneurs of uh of our time in history and and um you know sometimes it works out it, it doesn't always that's um just part of of building things and uh, and and the beauty of it is is if it doesn't work out you learn from it and uh you can try again sure well sadly we're coming to the end of the show so how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself hero and any other links you want to mention for sure so uh hero is uh is uh accessible at www.herohealth.com uh, there's lots of great information about hero and and how it uh how it can support anyone who struggles with medication management and their caregivers. Um, if you want to uh, reach out to me or um, or hear about what I'm or see what I'm thinking about, um, you can go to Twitter and follow me at calvapuri uh, uh, and that's K-A-L-V-E-P-U-R-I. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day, man. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Great to speak with you, and thanks for having me. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.